What's going on, FCS football fans? Welcome to the FCS Opening Drive podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. I am David Hassagan. To my left, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning, sir. Good morning, Dave. How are you this fine morning? Oh, it is fantastic because we've got playoffs to talk about. It is that time of year, folks. The brackets are out. The committee has made their selections. There were snubs. There were first-time teams getting in. We had a drama-filled final Saturday in college football. We'll get to that because Emory <laughs> witnessed some, some, I mean, off-the-charts craziness this year. But let's get right into it, Emory, because, as you said, we don't even have to talk about the start of this thing. Let's just talk about the Georgetown game because Bruh. you were there for the start of this game and... It went a little haywire for Georgetown in the second half. Is that a safe safe assumption? Or? Yes, safe <laughs> assumption. But I have to here. Here's the whole. I have to give you guys a backstory. I've been doing <laughs> color commentary all season, right? This was my last broadcast, mm-hmm. and I was going to be on the broadcast for Howard Bryant, right? But Howard decided to go in another direction uh, as far as the production company. They didn't want this one on ESPN three. Right. I think it was, but. Uh, they went with another broadcast company. Fine. Whatever. So that put me back in play for Georgetown Holy Cross. This was my last game. And I like doing the Georgetown games because I like Coach Scarlotta. You know, he's a he's a cool dude. We we do his games a lot. And this is where I got my start in doing college football broadcast. So I'm very familiar with Georgetown's program. Right. I also interviewed Coach Bob Chesney this spring. Love the dude. He's an exciting coach. So this was my last broadcast, and it's been a long season. It's time to relax. It's time to relax. Get the crew. Right. And, you know, this was a game that had there was a lot on the line. Right. You had Georgetown going for their first winning season since 2011, second since 1999. Holy Cross looking to get to five and six and put together a four-game winning streak to close out the season. And what was an impressive first season, uh, considering, the, you know, a first-year head coach turning things around. Yeah. Good, and, good start. You know, good start. And it one one play away from being 6-5, and five, actually, they had the overtime loss to, to Harvard. So they could have had a five-game winning streak. So they ended up winning this game. But I totally came into this one <laughs> relaxed, you know, just expecting, like, a, a good game and just kind of, like, relaxing my way, easing my way into draft season, postseason stuff. Yeah, exactly. But a, <laughs> a weird game ensued and do you want to list off Georgetown's defensive stats before we go anywhere else no because they <laughs> I have to set the table let's just start in the second half <laughs> Georgetown was up 31 to 5 it's over with 10 minutes and 30 something seconds left in the game ball game Done. 31 5 until that point they had four interceptions two went back for touchdowns they had uh, five sacks or four sacks at the time right Two forced fumbles, nine TFLs, and so pure dominance. Pure dominance defensively, up thirty-one to five. And here's where the game turned. At this point, Holy Cross is like, you know what? We have nothing to lose. We can go aggressive the entire duration of the game. Yeah. They block the punt, brings it back for a touchdown. Okay, it's now thirty-one to twelve. Right. Georgetown gets the ball again, still playing conservative offensively. Blocks another punt, same side of the field, same dude blocked the blocked the punt again. <laughs> another touchdown. So they bring another punt block back for a touchdown. It is now 31 to 19. Georgetown gets the ball again. 
super conservative play calling, got them to punt this time to get the punt off. But now it's a quick short punt. Holy Cross's passing game, man, they bailed out. Those receivers for Holy Cross were able to bail out Jeff Wade a lot in this ball game. <laughs> and so they catch the ball uh, numerous times and get down and score on a on a nice touch a catch and run touchdown. So now it's 31 to 25. Georgetown gets the ball back in the fourth quarter with about four minutes left. Right. Couple of first downs, game over. Conservative. Run on first down. Run on second down. They try to throw it on third down finally and get five yards, so now they got a punt again. So now the tension is on the punt again because they nearly blocked it for a third time. So he gets the punt off again, and now it's a (laughs) short punt. Great field position for Holy Cross, right? Holy Cross throws a first play sack which would be the fifth sack for Georgetown. Good. <laughs> Another TFL on second down. So now it's third and 17. Ball game. Ball game, right? Get a stop. You, you, you've been sacked. You've been, you found great real estate in the backfield. Yeah. Bomb down the sideline to uh, the receiver who makes one of the most phenomenal catches I've seen in the FCS all season <laughs> long. The defensive back for Georgetown, God bless his soul, wasn't turned around for the football. <laughs> The dude caught off his helmet, falling backwards, going out of bounds, was able to get one foot in bounds for the reception. Puts them at the 15-yard line. Next play, Holy Cross is on the attack, throws into the end zone, same cornerback, pass interference, ball goes to the three-yard line. Here's where, if I was a coach, (laughs) every piece of equipment I had attached to me would have been broken. (laughs) First play, stuffed. Perfect. Perfect. So now Holy Cross gets back. 49 seconds left. His second down. They try to throw a quick slant. The strong safety, who's one of Georgetown's best players, standing right in the passing window. Ball hits him in the stomach. Dropped interception, which would have been the fifth interception on the day and a game-clinching interception. Next play, touchdown. Game over. Sick to their stomach. You can't be any sicker than Coach Scarlotta was after that game. There's probably a few teams, though, that are in the same boat after this past week because there were literally teams that lost their way out of the postseason. We're not even going to talk about, well, we'll get to McNeese eventually. FAMU. FAMU, we'll get to them in a second. In fact, let's talk about them now. FAMU with three games to go in the season. Just had to win one. One game, and they're in the Celebration Bowl. Just one. And you had a free loss because one of those games wasn't even a conference game. Just win one out of the three. And yet, in the Florida Classic, Bethune-Cookman, 33-19. A&M loses. North Carolina A&T, who were dead and buried weeks ago, shut out NC Central. They're going back to the Celebration Bowl from literally out of the blue. Now, here's the thing. If you're A&T... You kind of feel conflicted. Oh, I'm mad right now. Because you feel as though you exactly because you feel as though you have a good team, a team that has beaten Jacksonville State. You probably would have gotten a home game, yeah, and you probably could have won a game in a playoff. But because Florida A&M happened, it puts the 12th ranked team in the country in the playoffs. Which, if you are a team like Northern Iowa or one of those bubble teams, thank you. Send A and T a nice bouquet of flowers or whatever. A nice gift basket. A nice gift basket because they got you in the playoffs because of FAMU. You're probably also sending the same things to FAMU as well. Because A and T probably could have won a game this year, and 
in, in the playoffs. Yeah. But now they go to the Celebration Bowl, which they probably will face either Southern or Alcorn State. Let's hope it's Southern. No offense, Alcorn, but we've seen you there It doesn't before. matter now because you don't have the matchup now. Like the, <laughs> You don't have the FAMU-Southern <laughs> matchup that everybody wanted. Uh, so, I mean, congratulations to Bethune-Cookman. Yes. I mean, obviously. Shout out to Coach Sims, man. Very big win in a, obviously, a classic game. Uh, we, we'll talk also about the Bayou Classic a little bit at um, some point in this podcast. But talk about another team that's sick to their stomach. That's the University of Montana. <sighs> now, last year, last year, they went into the Brawl of the Wild. I believe it was the same situation. I believe they were 6-4. and four. Montana State beat them. And not only did that cost them a playoff spot, it cost their head coach their job. So you know they're looking for revenge in this ball game. Right. Montana State's up 29-25. Montana's got the ball inside the 10. They got the ball third and goal at the one-yard line. Wait, at, at the one-yard line. At the one-yard line. Going in for the touchdown. To win the ball game and, as we found out on Sunday, go to the playoffs. Ball gets stripped. Montana State recovers. And for the second consecutive year, Montana misses the postseason because they lost to their rival on the final week. And this time around, Montana State Bobcats get in instead. If you're Mont- that sums up that season right there. If 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 you're Montana State man, the troll job. Oh, please do. You, you have to troll Montana. Oh, there's going to be a lot of angry Grizzlies. <laughs> yeah. Very well very played. angry Grizzlies up there. But I mean, again though, to, to yeah, you, you to do that especially at the last play when they're about to score, like. You got to again. You're talking about a broken equipment. One yard away from the playoffs, but this is why you play defense. This is the 2018 season in a nutshell. Bingo. You're one yard away. You're one play away. You're one score away from winning a game and getting in, and you don't. Bro, you picked off a quarterback four times. You sacked him five times. You scored two defensive touchdowns. <laughs> You've been in the backfield for nine times. Nine TFLs. He's still on the draw. And the game play book. you don't make. Is the one that costs you the game. Let's talk about another wild game, though, and that's Duquesne against Central Connecticut State. Oh. Three-way tie in the NEC going into the final week to decide the champion. Sacred Heart's kind of just doing their thing on the side, but Duquesne versus Central Connecticut. Duquesne pulls it out 38-31 to win the conference in a late-game touchdown here, too. Now, Harry Crawford is one of the best receivers in the FCS and is an NFL pro prospect, a legit pro prospect. Ten receptions, 124 yards, and a touchdown. Here's the touchdown that got them into the playoffs. Yeah. It was a deep in route. Great coverage by Central Connecticut State. Defensive back legit was on him literally as he catches a football. And everybody just assumed that he was going to, you know, fall down and get tackled, you know, by the, the defensive back that's draped all over him. He slips that tackle. Everybody else kind of slowed up and thought, okay, he's down. No. He breaks the tackle, <laughs> outraces everyone to the end zone, scores with 24 seconds left in the game. 56-yard touchdown reception to put you in the playoffs and win you the NEC. And speaking of winning conferences, one more game we're going to talk about here before we get into some game balls, and then we'll get into the playoff field, folks, because it's another wild one. It's an interesting one. Now, beginning of the season, I was on the UMaine hype train. Yes, you were. I had no thoughts in my head at all that they were going to win the CAA. But by beating Elon, that is what the Black Bears accomplished, 27-26, you Maine wins the CAA. Anybody had money on that in Vegas? I want to. Well, we're not going to see them anymore. They probably disappeared to an island right. somewhere. 
won a season from UMaine, and this is after losing their leading rusher from last season. And they quietly probably should have beaten two FBS teams. They beat one. Right. They had another one beat two. So yeah. this was a great year by Coach Harasmiak. Again, defense, run game. Control. That's all it's about. And the real question after that game was, did that just kill Elon? We both thought pro- possibly. Possibly. You got six wins. Possibly slash probably. You thought about the same thing about Stony Brook? Committee had other thoughts. We'll get to that in a second. Let's talk about some game balls, though, Emery. Who are your game balls for this week? Well, obviously, Georgetown. Um, nine TFLs, five sacks, four interceptions, oh. two touchdowns. But I would also have to give a game ball from that same game to Teddy Capsis, the defensive end for Holy Cross. My God. He legit <laughs> brought real estate in the backfield. I know the the housing market is expensive in D.C. <laughs> yeah. But apparently Caps has found affordable housing <laughs> in the Georgetown Hoya backfield because he set up shop there all game long. Perfect. Like, he was in their grill all game. Unblockable. I was impressed just blown away at how dominant of a performance he was or he put together. And also Nahari Crawford for finishing the season, again, 120-something yards, a touchdown, not just any touchdown, the game winner to put you in the playoffs, winning the championship in the process. So those are two my two of my game balls for the weekend. Well, you're going to do game balls for the weekend. I'm going to give us some game balls for the season because we did have some accomplishments uh, that occurred uh, this year and this uh, past week. First game ball to Devlin Hodges, the quarterback from Sanford, who is now the all-time record holder in FCS passing yardage. He broke the record held by Steve McNair, which has been in place since 1994. Right. And there have been some good quarterbacks. Legit good quarterbacks. In the FCS. He he finishes his career. He had a 404-yard passing game in the final week. 14,584, 111 career touchdowns. Devlin Hodges better get a look somewhere in the NFL. Either, you know, I, I don't know if he'll get drafted or not, but... He deserves a look somewhere in the training camp. He He's also a deserves a, a, an all-star game invite. So you break records. You deserve to be in some sort of shrine game or senior bowl. You deserve to be there. And he put together four years of dominance. And to break that record, I'm old enough to remember watching Steve McNair play in college. I remember the playoff game against Youngstown State, yep. watching that game on ESPN. And, you know, hell, Swack was in the playoffs at the time. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? So to see him break that record. That's outstanding. In in a passing era, like you said, we've seen many great – I mean, Eastern Washington has quarterbacks that throw for a zillion yards a season, yeah. and they haven't come close. Yeah. So what Hodges has done in the SoCon, in a run-based conference, to be honest, right? you know, that's that's big time, dude. That's a It's an incredible feat, so congratulations, Devlin. Uh, again, hopefully there's some more breaks coming your way um, as you finish up your career. Um also got to give a shout-out to Coach Jimmy Laycock. Could not get to 250. William Mary did lose to Richmond in the Capital City Classic. But Coach Laycock wraps up his career with 249 career coaching victories for William & Mary in 39 years. That's an incredible feat. That's something you don't see anymore. It's something we probably will never see again, is a coach going that long. Speaking of that William & Mary job, there are some, uh, some rumors, and they might be going beyond rumors. This is from Craig Haley this morning um, from Football Scoop. William & Mary will announce the hiring of Howard coach Mike London, the former Richmond and Virginia coach, later today as the successor to Jimmy Laycock at William & Mary. What are your thoughts on that potential hire? I love this hire, and here is why. One, Mike London is a great man, great coach, 
great recruiter. And he's a Virginia guy. He grew up in Norfolk, Virginia, that area, that Tidewater area, Newport News area. So he understands the landscape of recruiting in Virginia. He also is going closer to home, which is huge because he's at the point where he's kind of, you know, you start to think like, I've been doing this a while. Time to settle down. This is my last job. And to land that job, which hasn't been open in 40 years, that's huge. And so you saw what he was able to do at Howard. Howard was you know, underachieving a lot prior to London getting there and got there, got them the biggest FCS upset from a point spread perspective in college football history. Offense was phenomenal. You talk about an offense that averaged over 500 yards a game, 40 points a game. It was a go-go offense. Now, we still don't know if if he's bringing Brennan Marion with him. True. If he does, I can't even imagine what that's going to look like. You know, the go-go offense with it, with better offensive line play. But against better defenses as well in the CAA. It didn't matter. Remember, they beat UNLV. They were able to run all over teams in the MAC. Yeah, I'd, I'd still take some of those teams in the, CAA, in the CAA over teams in the MAC. Fair though. point. Fair point. But now do you have better better athletes. True. Better offensive line. Uh, more resources. Yeah. And I think, you know, we may see William & Mary make a, an immediate jump. Hell, they finished, what, five and six this year? They had a decent season this year. Decent season, right? And so next year they could probably be that team to pull a main and jump up and win the conference because of the coaching, recruiting, and the scheme. Now, if if, uh, Brennan Marion decides to perhaps put his name in the hat for the head coaching job at Howard as a young head coach, you know, that now we Mm. look at who London will bring in as the OC, but – if they keep the same staff together, they already had a star-studded coaching staff. They had a lot of NFL players on the right. staff. Uh, Brennan Marion included in that. He played in the NFL. This is a good staff going to William & Mary in right. a good program. Let's talk about a couple of teams, though. Um, i got to give a shout-out to my alma mater, Springfield College, winning the New England Bowl this year. You are wearing Springfield College sweatshirt, hat, Got to represent, man. More so that y'all win one bowl game and, and you, you came. Hey, we ended an undefeated season last year. I will represent them That's all day, true. every day. That's true. But they beat Maritime 17-14. Also got to give a shout-out to Bridgewater State um, and my former college roommate, John Lyons, the receivers coach there. They won their New England Bowl uh, as well over Salva Regina, 34-19. Uh, so congratulations, John. Keep going on your success. Uh, but my final game ball for the season has got to go to the Princeton Tigers. Bruh. And again, the only... Now only two undefeated teams, them and North Dakota State, but Princeton wins their first outright Ivy League title since 1995. First time they've been undefeated since 1964. That doesn't even make sense, man. And there's a lot of teams in this postseason that are very, very happy that the Ivy League doesn't get bids because this team would drive some other players and coaches nuts. Well, it's probably because of Princeton that one of my snubs is out of the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We'll get to those snubs in a second, but... Princeton and Dartmouth, they probably both get in if the Ivy League has playoff bids. Princeton gets in and wins three games. Princeton gets in and probably gets a bye. Oh, about so they win two games. Yeah, I think I think they probably get a number seven or eight seed. Princeton's offense, having seen them up close twice, you were there with me at Columbia. It doesn't make sense how easy offense looks for Princeton. We Coach Bob's yeah. race is phenomenal. Yeah, and he's an offensive lineman, Princeton guy, and the fact that he was able to. You know, continue to have offensive line success, which is key to having offensive success. And then you get Lovett playing at 
a Bushnell Cup level. You oh. get Horsehead playing at an NFL level. Carlson stepping up playing at an all Ivy League level. And the two tailbacks, my guy, like you got speed for days. So this offense is probably one of the best offenses I've seen in the FCS. And that's counting Howard's offense too. We haven't heard the last of John Lovett, I can guarantee you oh, that. Or Horsehead or uh, Carlson or uh, – Volker, the running back, or Colin Eady, the sophomore, who's coming back. Could be an influx of Princeton guys in the NFL at the next level Whew. in very short order. But with all that being said, it's time to talk about the playoffs, yes. Emory. And the field was released yesterday, 24 teams. Not as much of the outrage as there was last year when we saw Northern Iowa and New Hampshire get in where you really couldn't see an argument. This is a very solid bracket, and there are some very – tough roads for contenders to get to the national title game. Let's go through the seeding first. The top eight seeds, the teams that got a bye. No surprise, the Bison, North Dakota State, they get the number one. Weber State gets number two. That was a little surprising for me. I know you're not probably totally not shocked with that. Not shocked. I had them, you know, at four. So, not too bad. Eastern Washington gets the number three. So, they're on the same side of the bracket. So, potentially, an all-big sky semifinal, which could be a wild ball game. Yep. And then number four, Kennesaw State, which again means for the Bison, you could easily be playing the team that was number two all year long in the semis. Not in the final, in the semis. Well, shout out to Kennesaw State for playing that wild game. That was <laughs> five overtimes, 60 to 52. <laughs> what in the hell is going on? But Kennesaw, again, We'll talk about the bracket in a second, but North Dakota State's got a tough road. They do. And another reason for that is who's at number five? South Dakota State. That was big for me because I was like, oh. I was thinking maybe them seven or eight if they were going to get right. a bye. I obviously thought Colgate should be in the top four, oh, let no alone respect. five. No respect at all for the Patriot League. Exactly. UC Davis, first time in the postseason, and they get a bye. They get the number six seed. Number seven goes to the University of Maine, which – I'll tell you what, folks, if you didn't watch the show through the conclusion, the interview with Mike Houston, the head coach of JMU, salty. Because he was bringing up how... A lot of sodium. Oh, oh yeah, Maine beat two teams that were completely you know, injury-prone or injury-filled. We beat those teams when they were healthy. So this, he was talking about this is, you know, he, he said, you know, he, they asked him, how do you feel about this? He said, I feel completely disrespected. And he said that in the interview, live, in front of his team. That's going to be a very angry JMU Duke squad. Who do they play first? We'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> we'll get to that. But the number eight seed is Colgate. So, so they mean Colgate barely got a, a seed. Colgate barely got a seed. But again, I think that's only because of where conference they're coming out of, not because of what they did on the field. If they were well, looking at what they did on the field, they should be in the top four. That's the part I do not understand, man. Right. Like... Totally, like, conferences don't play anybody. This is like, it's the teams yep. on the, if you got five shutouts, you're doing something damn good. If, yep. if you put Colgate on the field against UC Davis, UC Davis struggles to move the football. Yeah, yeah, and, and this is in the year where the Missouri Valley, who many people see as the top conference, got three teams. CAA got six. Six. Yeah, there is a question. Of, let's let's keep going with the field let's, before we get So in. let's get in, into some of the games. And again, we're not going to do the matchups right now. We're just going to go through the field. We'll talk about the matchups right. later on. Some of the other teams that got in in an automatic bid, Duquesne in, from the NEC. By the way, they're on the road in their first game, even though they won their conference. Jacksonville State gets in from the OVC San Diego. 
they got a favorable game in the first round. And they got a favorable draw, I think, as well. Winners of the Pioneer. Wofford gets in as the SOCON. They don't get ranked. They're used to getting a bye in the first round. They did not. Nichols wins the Southland. They get a home game. Some of the other at-large bids, Eastern Washington, uh, we talked about the Eastern Washington, South Coast State, UC Davis, non-conference teams that got ranked. Um, Delaware gets in. That was a question after their loss in the last week. They After the last two weeks. Yeah. JMU gets in. Towson gets in. That wasn't a total surprise. But Elon and Stony Brook made it. Again, that was a big question mark, after, especially after the week game on, on Saturday. Do one or both of these teams miss? Well, for me, I'm shocked Elon got in. One, six wins. And granted, one game was canceled, but six wins, two-game losing streak. Why are they even in the playoffs? Yeah. Stony Brook, I get. They're a good team and tough loss at the end. I'm shocked that Delaware got got in uh, because of how they finished the season. True. Again, over the fact that a team was snubbed with eight wins. True. So, Elon, to me, is the most egregious case of a team getting in without the most impressive resume. This was because they play in the CAA, and I don't think Elon, again, they lost their starting quarterback. They lost their starting running back. Right. They're, it's going to be all defense for them. I think this is probably the first out of right. the playoffs. I mean, you know, this is an early exit for Elon. I, you know, so I don't, I don't think they should have gotten in. I think it should have been a five-team league. You could – I would even concede to Delaware being in. Right. But Elon, you, you can't make that case for the Phoenix. That's really the, only, that's really the only question mark, though, that we could find. I mean, you could think about a couple more here as we get to them. Uh, Southeast Missouri State, SEMO, very impressive season. They deserve to get in, and they did. Uh, Montana State, we mentioned it. They won that game, and that was enough. Even though it wasn't a big, uh, impressive victory, they got the victory there. Northern Iowa gets in once again. Now, this is another team where people might have a question with it, but I sold it to you. This is this was my hot take. We, I texted you before yeah, you the, the draw. How does Northern Iowa get in ahead of Indiana State? Very simple. September 29th, Northern Iowa 33, Indiana State nothing. And not only did that they doesn't. beat Indiana State, when you look at Indiana State's schedule, Indiana State has a win against Quincy, which is... true. Uh, either Division Two NAIA school, I think Division Two. So it's a nine D one win. Right. So that brings them down to six wins as opposed to uh, Northern Iowa, who also, like you said, has the head to head advantage over them. So I, now I get it. At first, I was I, I had them down as a snub. Then I looked at, it, I was like, you know what? It makes sense. But I mean, no doubting what the Sycamores did this year. Incredible season, going from winless to seven wins. How about the team I told you to keep an eye on? Riding a four-game win streak, finishing at seven and four, and people thought they were on a bubble. Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. At some point, people are gonna listen to the podcast and realize <laughs> what we're talking. And they about. and that, here's the thing: they didn't even get; they weren't even the first three out. Yeah, they had they had a couple of bad losses. They yeah. they really had to go eight and three. Well, let's talk about the last three teams in, and this is from the committee. This is what the committee released, and they did this on the broadcast. Number twenty-two team in the in the in the seating, East Tennessee State. Now, this is a team that you had a question about going in. But remember, this team had the potential to win that conference. If they had won their game this past week, they get the automatic bid. Well, because I thought they couldn't afford a loss because I felt as though the committee would look at them sideways because of, you know, even though they're 8-3, and three, one of those wins is against Mars Hill, Division Two program. Right. I thought they was going to hold that against them, although I felt as though they should have been in. Right. Um, I thought if they lost, the committee would look at them and say, well, and pull uh, Austin P. And right. say, you know, yeah, they're eight and three, but 
who do they play? You know what I'm saying? And right. especially when Furman is is riding a four game winning streak, I thought if if East Tennessee State would have lost, it would have been bad. But they did lose. And it still didn't hurt them, so I'm glad to see them get in. First time they've been in the playoffs since 1996. It's also the first time they've been in since they brought back their football program. Right. So obviously a great achievement there. And then the last two teams that got in are the other two debutants, and they're both coming out of the Southland. The next to last team to get in at number 23, Incarnate Word. Talk about one of the feel-good stories of this season. They win a share of the Southland title, but even that almost got didn't get them in. Because they had a game, I believe it was against North Alabama, yeah. that got canceled, that they canceled that game on. It almost cost them a playoff spot, but this team deserves to get in. They had an incredible season. Well, it was interesting because they still have another game on their schedule. Which is probably being canceled as we speak. If they get out of the first round, I think that game still is getting played. Yeah. Which true. is weird, but you you <laughs> yeah. a playoff game and still got a, a regular season game to make up. Uh, but, yeah, that, I mean, shout out to that coaching staff, man. They got down there, and this was a team that was near the bottom every year. Yeah. And to flip that program around quickly and get them into the playoffs along with Lamar. And Lamar is that final team. It came down to the final week. That was another game. It was them versus McNeese. Now, if here's the thing. If McNeese wins that game, do they get in? Probably not. I don't think they do. I think it's either Monmouth or Indiana State. Right. But credit to Lamar. Talk about another team that no one had on their radar. We were talking Southland. We were talking McNeese. We were talking Sam Houston. We were talking Central Arkansas. We were talking Nichols. Nobody had Incarnate Word or Lamar or, for for that matter, Abilene Christian. Right. Anywhere near the conversation. And yet two of those teams are going in and the big big dogs are staying home. Well, to be fair, Abilene Christian was my Eastern Kentucky of the South. That is true. That is true. But <laughs> Lamar, six-game winning streak. Yeah. All in conference. They were one in four. That'll do it. <laughs> so when coaches are telling you in the spring and during the season, just keep playing and let things take care of themselves, this is the example they can now point to and say, look at Labar. Yeah. Under the radar, not a powerhouse name, conference that doesn't get a lot of respect, just obliterated the competition and won some huge games against some blue bloods along the way yeah. to get into the playoffs Phenomenal job of both Incarnate Word and Lamar. Two Cardinals getting in. How about that? <laughs> that's, that's perfect. But, yeah, they, they, in their six-game winning streak, they beat Incarnate Word, Sam Houston State, Central Arkansas, and McNeese. Got to get you in. And Central Arkansas and McNeese were on the road. That's an incredible streak, an incredible run. Let's talk about the three first three teams out before we go to break. And it's two of the teams we mentioned. Indiana State was the first team out, according to the committee. Monmouth was the second team out. Shocking. Which is shocking. North Dakota was the third team out, according to the committee. Again, I don't, I don't have the outrage that I had last year. I don't have the rage monster going on at this point. I can understand why they, got, why they didn't get in, but these are still three very good football teams who deserve to have a chance at the postseason. Yeah, they all have a strong case. I think the strongest case and the biggest snub is Monmouth. Monmouth has a loss to Kennesaw State, a loss to Princeton, yep. and a loss to... Uh, FBS Eastern Michigan that's going to a bowl game. So they've they have the requisite seven D one wins. Yeah. They have a phenomenal offense. They have a spotlight player in Reggie White Jr. So they have all the, the seeds for success to, to where you can say, okay, yeah, this team deserves to be in the playoffs. And if you look at the wins they, they were able to get, Campbell was a good win at the time. Uh, Charleston Southern was a good one because they started turning it around at the at the time. But yep. you know, I, I get why they looked at their strength of schedule and probably said, "Okay, you got Presbyterian, 
uh, Gardner Webb, Bucknell, who finished one and ten. Uh, Wagner, who was wasn't very good. You barely got away from that game. You barely beat Lafayette. You beat Hampton. You know, yeah. I, I get it. I, I understand. But eight wins, seven, uh, eight D one wins at that. Yeah, you got to put them in over yeah. a six and four Elon. That's the only like you said. You, I was all outraged last year. Last year we were furious. Absolutely. Austin furious. P and McNeese not getting in. McNeese with nine wins didn't get in. Uh, Austin P with a feel good story and eight wins yeah. did not get in. But this year the only egregious, glaring miss is putting. Elon in over Mammoth. I think Mammoth was well deserving of a playoff spot. And to be fair, it was funny about this year, we're not as outraged and we don't even have bowl games. You know how we, we were so outraged last year that it spawned a whole nother, <laughs> here's some FCS bowl games because all of these teams got snubbed. Oh, you got bowl games. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I may have gone down the rabbit hole because there were 38 teams that were 500 or better. So okay. I might have I, I would 19 be, bowl games. I, I, okay. <laughs> so Including I, Monmouth versus Princeton in a rematch. I wouldn't want to see that. See, I would, though, because that would be because it, it's total revenge. Yeah, it was, losing to you mean we didn't get in the playoff it was, spot. It was a, such a such a beatdown. I don't I don't think I, I don't think Mammoth wants that smoke again. You'd like this one, though. URI versus Harvard. That's another one I came up with. That's another. That's another. Didn't they play already? I don't think they did. They don't. I don't think they played each other this year. Ah. So that's an interesting one. But let's talk about the other team in here, North Dakota, real quick. This is a team that has some quality victories. Yeah. They beat Sam Houston when they were ranked in the top five. True. They beat Montana when they were a ranked team. They barely lost to Weaver. They only lost to them by five. True. Which would have flipped the big sky completely upside now down. Now get to the bad loss. Lost to Idaho. Bad. Lost to Northern Arizona. Bad. <laughs> lost to Idaho State. That's a decent loss. That's a de- that's actually a decent loss this that's year. A decent right. loss. But especially those back to back losses. After you lost to Weaver, you had to beat Idaho. They lost to them by four. That probably, if they had won that game, they probably get in. It's again, it, talk about oh, one game doesn't matter. Every game matters when there's a playoff to get in. Every game matters. Every game matters. It, hell, like we just said, nine win teams have not gotten in. Let me hear some of those bowl games you got. What, what else you got over there? Some of the, I mean, some of the other bowl games. I mean, talk about this. How about Sam Samford against North Alabama? In the Dixie Classic, how about we call that? that, that we call <laughs> the that Dixie bowl Cup game. Yeah, Dixie Cup Classic. But Red North Alabama, Cup. seven and three, they're going into the Big South this year. That might makes things a little bit. And they had a they had a really good win early on, right? Yeah, they they knocked so, off a, their first FBS game was a win. And then how about this one? Bethune Cookman versus Stetson. I like that the Florida battle. Florida battle and Stetson nine wins. For Stetson. Shout out to Stetson, Stetson. man. <laughs> Granted, like, those wins against Connecticut know, School of Broadcast. I'm know. just saying. I'm just saying. How but, about, but credit Stetson for a nine-win season. How about how about the, on this one? This one is a uh, – this one's an intriguing one for me. Indiana State versus Davidson. All the points. All the points. Shout out to Davidson, too, man. They could be a contender for the Pioneer Winning next year. season. Six and five, man. Remember the name Wesley Duggar. Boy, Duggar is a fool on the ground. He can How in the world did he end up in the FCS in a non-scholarship school with the way he runs the ball? Because people are stupid. <laughs> Just a simple explanation. And I'll give you one more here because I know you love your Hampton Pirates. Hampton yes. versus Penn. Just, I love that. I love that matchup. I that, love that matchup. Because they got to play on, a, on, on somewhere up, obscure to keep with the trend. <laughs> Play it in, 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 in Casablanca. Like, 
Somewhere ridiculous. So it's just it has to be somewhere remote. Hampton versus Penn in Winnipeg. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we'll play in the Blue Bomber Stadium. We'll put it up there, folks. When we, come, when we come back, we will break down the first round. We've got eight games. They are quality. There are some very, very intriguing matchups. Again, folks, this is the FCS Opening Drive podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We will be back after this commercial break. So you've been thinking about changing careers. Well, now's the perfect time to check out Connecticut School of Broadcasting. We have nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Almost everything you hear on the radio, everything you see on television and on the internet was made by a creative team of audio and video professionals. Producers, camera operators, sound designers, these are the people who work behind the scenes to make it happen. Connecticut School of Broadcasting can help you switch from your current career path to the more exciting world of audio and video production. We've placed thousands since 19. 19- Visit GoCSB.com, call 1-800-TV-RADIO, and come in for a studio tour. It's your chance to test drive the same equipment that's used in real radio and television studios, talk to the instructors, and meet other people who share your excitement about the radio and television industry. Listen, if you're ready for a career change, if you like the idea of working behind the scenes, come in and see what a career in broadcasting is like and see if it's right for you. Connecticut School of Broadcasting has nearby campuses in Stratford, Connecticut, Westbury, Long Island, and Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey. Call 1-800-TV-RADIO or visit Go. Welcome back, folks, to the FCS Opening Drive Podcast presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. David Hassigan here with the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Again, folks, if you want to listen back on all of our podcasts and all of the craziness that has been the 2018 season, we'll call it Pandora's Box this year. Go to SoundCloud, go to iTunes, search Football Game Plan in the podcast section. You can find all of our former podcasts there. And don't forget to go to footballgameplan.com where you get all your football knowledge, including the videos for your full preview of week-to-week action. Aaron, you've got some breaking news that you want to bring to us. You've got some, uh, I like lists. Yes. What do you, what do you got in the list category? For Folks love brand? lists anyway. Uh, this is coming from Stats at Craig Haley on, on Twitter at Stats. Uh, FCS or FCS underscore stats. They released the 15 coaches for the Eddie Robertson Award, This the finalists. So okay. this is the Coach of the Year Award in the FCS. Legendary head coach Eddie Robertson, who coached at Grambling. Here are the finalists. So I'd love to hear your takes on this. Sure. Brian Bohannon, Kennesaw State. Yep, of course. Joe Horasmiak, Maine. Yep. Dan Hawkins, UC Davis. Excellent year. Roger Hughes Stetson. Incredible year. My cousin Dan Hunt at Colgate. I mean, what else can we say? All the shutouts. Chris Kleiman at North Dakota State. He's a mainstay on the list. Yep. Dale Lindsay at San Diego. Quietly. Kurt Mallory, Indiana State. Yep. Tom Matuzowicz at Southeast Missouri State. Also a good year. Fred McNair, Alcorn. Okay. Eric Morris, a young head coach at Incarnate Word. <sighs> Gotta be. Randy Sanders, East Tennessee. Jerry Smith, Duquesne, Bob Sarace, Princeton, and Sam Washington at North Carolina A&T. So those are your 15 finalists for the Eddie Robinson Award, which is given to the top coach in the FCS, which was started in 1987 um, and is presented by FCS Stats, which will happen on the eve of the FCS championship game, January 5th, I believe. So this will take place on January the 4th in Frisco, Texas. I, I gotta give a shout out too to Craig Haley because the last two days for him. I know we've always joked about him being our complaints department. 
he was he was bombarded with questions on Saturday <laughs> and Sunday morning, and I have to look through his like to see if there was any news coming out. And his responses were: this was a man, Craig. I I I understand what you went through. I I've been in sales. This was a man who was just <laughs> at wits end. It's like no, they act as if Craig was picking the teams. Himself. He's not on the committee, folks. <laughs> He's not on the committee, although you think he is, apparently. Shout out to Craig Haley for dealing with all the craziness on Twitter. Maybe Craig should be on a doggone committee. Craig at least gets it. <laughs> well, here's the thing. He had incarnate word out to Furman. Craig shouldn't be on the list. <laughs> he shouldn't be on the committee. So, Craig, great job, man. Um, before we get into the playoff matches, I know we got a couple of other regular season games going on, including the Bayou Classic. Why don't you do a quick breakdown of that? Grambling versus Southern, always a great game. One of the best rivalries in college football is near to dear to my heart because it takes place in New Orleans, my hometown. At the Louisiana Superdome, it's going to be one of the packed games of the weekend uh, between, like you said, Grambling and Southern. Southern, it's a big game for for them because if they win, they will, they're probably already in the SWAC game because Grambling is uh, ineligible to SWAC championship game. Right. So they're going to represent the West. In that in that ball game against Alcorn, and if they are able to win, what a great uh, year for Coach Dawson Odoms, the head true. coach at Southern. I, I went true. down there last January, spoke with him in his program, and he is phenomenal coach, and he has a, a plan in place. He's one of the, he's an underrated funny guy too. Like he is hilarious, and if you if you're not paying attention, he's gonna jerk you all the time, right? He's one of those guys that well, you you think he's serious, but he's joking, but he's funny. Yeah, but he's a great coach, and he was able to turn around Southern and make them a contender, and have them now on the cusp of playing for another swag title, and also now a berth in the Celebration Bowl. So it's a big game. On the other side, Grambling, you have uh, my guy, you know, Coach Fobbs, Roderick Fobbs is right. is one of the best coaches in football. Um, and yes, I have a personal tie with him because he was you know my running backs coach in, in college. You know, he was right. a GA at the time. But he has done a great job restoring the war at, at Grambling's program, historic program. Got them, you know, competitive this year despite all of the losses. Right. And he has a guy that's going to be up here in New York for the uh, William Campbell Trophy, which is for the top student athlete mm. in the country, regardless of the vision. And that's Darius Christmas, the linebacker. He's going to be up here along with other guys from all across college football. And so he's done a great job in, in – the on-the-field part, but also the off-the-field part. And this football program is still one of the premier names in college football. So excited yeah. to see that game and, and take place. Thanksgiving weekend is going to be a, a, a great party, great atmosphere with a lot on the line. Speaking of which, one of my other bowl games came up with, Grambling versus McNeese. Ah. I know you would have liked that as a, that, as yeah. a Louisiana man. The I-10 Classic. So, Let's call it that one. So we got I'm, the... I'm dope at coming up with bowl game names. <laughs> just, just put you in charge. Forget yeah, all the sponsors. Just, yeah. just kind of go over there. Um, other regular season games going on this weekend. Uh, Mississippi Valley State taking on Alabama State on Thursday. NC Central will be at South Carolina State, while Prairie View hosts Texas Southern. But let's get into the playoff game yes. because we've got some incredible matchups to talk about. And we're, let's just go right through them here. First game we've got on the board. For the right to play the Bison in the second round, Incarnate Word versus Montana State. Talk about all the points. This game could end up in the 50s. This could be an incredible ball game. Incarnate Word comes in on a pretty good run. They've got a very good offensive team. Montana State's coming in off a big win over their biggest rivals to get into the postseason. Momentum on both teams' side. How do you see this game playing out? Well, they say styles make fights, right? Right. So when you look at Incarnate Word, Raquan Dickens, the running back, 
phenomenal tailback, pro yes. player. And Carter Word also can throw the football as well. They have a great defense. And when you look at Montana State, they're built strongly on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and they run the football. Uh, Anderson, Troy Anderson, I believe, is 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 their leading rusher. He's also the quarterback of that team, two-way player, honestly. Um, play some linebacker also. But I think when you look at this game, who can put the ball in the end zone? Because you have to figure at some point everything else will cancel itself out. So right. this is a game that will involve uh, points like most games do. But <laughs> if you can score the ball in this one, because I think both defenses will cancel each other out. Uh, so who, which offense can you trust is going to be the key? And Troy Anderson, only a sophomore, by the way. Yeah, he's so good, man. He's building himself up nicely for the future. Next game up here, for this winner of this game will play Weber State, the number two seed. SEMO, Southeast Missouri State, taking on Stony Brook. Now, does this game kind of swing on which Dom Bragalone shows up or uh, which which quarterback shows up for Stony Brook, I should say? I don't even think you, uh, you're you thinking of Joe Carbone. I, Joe I don't, Carbone, even, I don't yeah. even think it, it's going to come down to that, man. How great can Southeast Missouri State stop the run? True. Because that's what they're going to see a heavy dose of. And I'm surprised that Stony Brook didn't get the home uh, game here. Yeah, you you would think the Dude, CAA team would get a little bit of the break, but they right. didn't. Right, so they got to go to Cape Goudreau, Missouri. <laughs> Cape Goudreau, good yeah, Lord. you like that, right? I know, I know, good Lord. I know, I know where places are at. <laughs> well, but here's the, the thing with Simo. You mentioned their rushing attack. They were only 82nd in the country in FCS in rushing yards allowed. There you go. So this that's the game would be an issue. And here's the thing: 50 touchdowns scored for Simo, 43 allowed. That's not a big margin. There's not a big margin of error for Simo. If they want to Especially get when you're facing win. a really good defense at Stony Brook. Yeah, and they barely got past Eastern Illinois in their last game, 38-32. So I love their running back in Marquise Terry, though. He, he is a, he's a solid player. He's, he's a real a good solid player. player. This is one of the games that I think could be a wild one, and it's whoever wins this game faces Eastern Washington. So there could be a lot of points on this side of the bracket. Nichols taking on San Diego, two automatic bids facing each other. Never sleep on San Diego. We've seen that the last two seasons now. They've won their game in the first round. The problem has been they've then turned up and faced North Dakota State the last two years in the second round, and that's knocked them out. But San Diego's got one of the best quarterbacks that nobody knows about in Anthony Lawrence. We know what Southland teams don't do, and that's play defense. This could be a wild game, but I think San Diego's got the edge in this one, even though they're on the road. Well, I, I think when you look at this game, it kind of reminds me of last year's playoff matchup with Nichols in South Dakota. Yeah. You know, a passing offense, a team that can move the football up and down the field. And Nichols, that, to be honest, they've gotten better on offense, a little bit more balanced. Yeah. Uh, I love the passing game that has now caught up to their running game. Their defense is still excellent, in my opinion. So this will be a very good football game. And we know how San Diego, as of recently, have done in the first round of playoffs. And and here's the thing. The winner of this game plays Eastern Washington. Right. Not exactly known for their defensive capabilities, but also known for scoring points. So and I, you have to leave. You, either way, they will have to travel to Anchorage, Alaska to play Eastern Washington. In this, <laughs> my God, they're so far up there and it's going to be so cold. <laughs> here's the thing, though. Anthony Lawrence this year, 35 touchdowns, 7 picks. He threw for 3,700 yards. So Bandy, again, the receiver. Oh. This dude averages like 200 yards a game receiving. One, he's, this year he averaged 141. He had 14 touchdowns. That's craziness. And he's only he's still got another year to go. He's only a junior. 
So keep an eye on that ball game. But I think San Diego's got an edge in this one. I it's really be do. Interesting. Um, the next game on the schedule, number four, to get to get against Kennesaw State, Elon taking on Wofford. Now this is a this is a matchup we've seen before the last couple of years, but you think this game is pretty much over by halftime? I think this game will probably be the fastest game. Yes, it's going to be all the running. hour and a half, all know, the running option offense. Love it. Um, I'm interested to see how Elon shows up defensively. I like their defense. Warren Messer is a really good linebacker, right? And the fact that they're facing an option team, it's a great matchup for them. True. So they should be in position to side. This happened last year with Furman, except Furman was able to get the win. Yep. But they had they, this is a good matchup for Elon. They drew a really good game and yep. one they, they can win. I like Wofford's defense too. Wofford's secondary, I think, is impressive. Although that won't be the case in this ballgame. It's no you know, it's yeah. about how well can they stop the run. Right. So real good game right here. Two teams that are built similarly. And really as uh, Andre Stoddard goes, so does the Wofford Terrier offense. Right. So that's going to be the key uh, in this ballgame for Elon if they have any shot. Next game here on the schedule, an, an intriguing game. Duquesne taking on Towson. Winner gets South Dakota State in the next round. We talked about Towson. This is another team that can give the big dogs trouble. Duquesne coming out of the NEC, a little bit different brand of ball up in the Northeast. How do you see this game playing out? I love the offense of Duquesne because they have the running game with A.J. Hines. They have the receiver in the Hari Crawford. Yeah. The quarterback, Daniel Parr, has played better on the, on the back half of the season. Yes. For Towson, I love, obviously, Tom Flacco and what he's doing this year at the quarterback position. Defensively, I like what they bring to the table in the secondary. I'm a big fan of Monte Finner, the safety. Okay. And him versus the run or him putting the fear of Jesus in Crawford going <laughs> over the middle of the field, him as an enforcer is going to be key in this ballgame because they have to limit – the big play opportunities in the passing game. So right. good X's and O's game here that I'll be interested to watch. The only thing that the only team, by the way, that's bringing the fear of Jesus into the uh, opponent is Incarnate Word because yeah. they're Incarnate Word. There you go. Well played. <laughs> See, you, you last week I feel I felt as though you missed the layup. This one you came through with the with the with the tomahawk jam. Well, yeah. I mean, you gave me a change up down the middle. I had to hit it for a home run. <laughs> By the way, that side of the bracket. Let's talk about that before we get to our last couple matchups here. The side of the bracket North Dakota State is on. This is murderer's row for the Bison. Right. Delaware, JMU, Colgate, Kennesaw, South Dakota State, Towson. There are six teams here that could legitimately give them a real headache. Yeah, it, it, it's and, all about matchups too. And they could get. JMU in the quarters or Colgate, like it, it's that's a game I want to see. I like again the disrespect of Colgate. They get the bye, but as the eight seed, then they have to play a team from the CAA in the second round. And if you happen to win that ball game, you've got North Dakota State probably. Well, as if they hadn't beaten a CAA team this year. I know they hmm. beat New Hampshire when hmm. Homeboy got hurt, but still, <laughs> JMU will be the first to remind you of that one. Oh my God, JMU is. <laughs> Like let's, let's 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 move on. Let, let, well, let's talk about that yes. game. We'll, we'll skip ahead to the teams who will play, face off to face Colgate in the second round. Delaware, JMU. Delaware, we thought we're going to have a good year this year. They've been a little inconsistent, as pretty much everybody else has, including right. the Dukes, because they lost Elon. Let's not forget that either. So all the things that Mike Houston is saying, well, oh, you Maine beat this team when they were banged up, and this team when they were banged up, we beat them when they're healthy. You lost to Elon. Like, sorry. Like, right. I, I don't know what to tell you. And 
This is not the JMU team of the last couple seasons. The defense is not nearly as good. The offense certainly is not nearly as good. Delaware, though, again, the inconsistency. So it's really going to be who doesn't make the mistake. Right, and which team shows up. Yeah. Now, what we do know is that the angry James Madison team will show up. Oh, and again, making those kind of statements in front of the team while they're all sitting there. Oh, they're going to be they're going to be fired up for this they're ball be game. Fired up, but if you're Delaware, you can take advantage of an over aggressive James Madison because of that mm-hmm. reason. So, when you're over aggressive, you really want to make a statement, and you can you you find yourself you leave yourself susceptible to trick plays, to giving up big chunk plays in the passing game. I think this one will be a wild game. It's going to be it's going to be a crazy one. Let's move on to the teams facing off to face the sixth seed, which is UC Davis. The debutants, Lamar taking on the veteran side, Northern Iowa. This is the 20th appearance for Northern Iowa in the FCS playoffs since 1AA was established. Right. They certainly have the experience with some of their seniors and their upperclassmen. This is the first time for Lamar. Does experience play a part in this ballgame now? It can. You know, especially if you get down in the playoffs and, you know, you could draw back on something. But if you're Lamar, you also have the advantage of inexperience. True. You know, which means, hey, we this is our first time here. We could just pretty much air it out and open up the playbook, which I think will happen in this game. So expect this to be a back-and-forth affair. I think what will be put to the test in this one is Lamar's defense. If they can show up defensively, they have the offense that can score. True. Defensively, can they match up against Northern Iowa? That's going to be the biggest key. Well, the biggest thing is going to be shutting down Eli Dunn. He's quietly had a very nice quietly. season. Uh, 17 touchdowns, just five picks this year. Um, the biggest thing with Northern Iowa, though, they don't really have a main weapon. So that's going to be the real test. It's not just, oh, can you shut down this one guy and slow them down. They've got a lot of different options that they go to in this offense. It's very, very balanced. Very balanced. And, you know, with Northern Iowa's balance, it just makes it interesting to uh, – because every time we talk about Northern Iowa, we tend to slant defensively. But quietly, this is a solid team, got themselves into the playoffs, and – they draw an interesting, tough matchup because of the ability to score uh, in the Lamar Cardinals. And again, they get to play in their nice little cozy dome yes. in the middle of Iowa. Last game here is the battle to see who takes on the number seven seed, UMaine. Jacksonville State, the champions of the OVC, taking on East Tennessee State, who got in by the skin of their teeth. Interesting matchup here. We'll see what happens with East Tennessee State as they take on Zarek Cooper. If what you did last week is of any indication, man, Zarek Cooper made the throw of the year uh, mm. in that corner of the end zone on fourth and what twenty or something like that. Something ridiculous. And so, this is a this is an intriguing game because I like the line of scrimmage for both teams. Yeah, Jacksonville State has a very good O line, great D line. Mm-hmm. East Tennessee State, I think, has a very good offensive line. And they play great team defense. They, yeah. They're solid in their run fits. They do a great job of, of crowding the line of scrimmage. Um, you're not going to blow East Tennessee State out. And I, I just think it's this is a it, it's going to be a tough game to peg because both teams, uh, you know, come in with with similar strengths. Uh, on paper, you look at Jacksonville State and say, okay, yeah, they got the clear advantage in talent. But man, when you talk about a team that plays as a team. Yeah, that's East Tennessee State, and they're playing with confidence. I know they just lost last week, but they're playing with confidence, and their coach Randy Sanders is 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 a phenomenal coach. And I'll be interested to see what he draws up in this ball game against the Gamecocks. Well, you know why they have such good offensive line play 
because Coach Randy Sanders was a quarterback. There you go. So he's not going to tolerate protection that. Protection first. Protect me. Right. <laughs> so he just goes in there and decides, oh, I'm just going to go without any pads. You better protect me, otherwise you're all gone. Protect, <laughs> protection first. So it's going to be very interesting. And, again, not just Zara Cooper, but Josh Pearson and Jamari Hester is a real tough dynamic duo. Pearson with 17 TDs this year right. for Jacksonville State. But Hester, just as dangerous. He's got nine TDs on the season. They're really the two main weapons of the passing game for Cooper. You shut them down, it makes things a little bit more difficult for the Gamecocks. If you've got to watch one game this year, this in this first round, Emory, you got ESPN up, ESPN 3. All these games are on ESPN 3, folks, so make sure you tune in for them. You got your ESPN 3 app up. You got all eight games to choose from. Which one are you going with? I am going to go with... Wow, that's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Caught him flat-footed. I'm going to go with San Diego and Nichols. Mm. Because I like Coach Rebo. He's a phenomenal guy. Great coach. And when I talked to him this past January, he told me, like, listen, we made the playoffs last year. I want the playoffs to be a common occurrence here at Nichols. Right. And back-to-back playoff appearances. He won a conference championship this year. That, that'll help with That'll boosters. help, right? And so <laughs> San Diego comes in with this offense from the Pioneer League, and they're coming in not only with just a good record, winning the Pioneer League, the automatic bid, they're coming in with some playoff cachet. They've right. won two games in the playoffs the last two yep. years, you know, on the road. Mm-hmm. So this is an intriguing matchup. It's a contrast in styles, and I, I'll be excited to watch this game. So that will be one, and if I had to give a 1B, it would be Towson and Duquesne. Yeah, I, for me, I'm going to be watching this JMU-Delaware game. Because, mm-hmm. again, in-conference matchup, they know what they're going to, both teams are going to bring to the table. JMU, again, feels disrespected. And there's, if there's one thing you don't want to do with the dog that's in the corner is poke it. Oh. And JMU got poked by the committee, and they're not happy about it. So going to be interesting to watch how they respond there. Well, here's what I don't get. Why isn't there a noon game? Right? They're all at 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock. Right, and, and on. Like, why have you missed the window with a noon opportunity, a noon kickoff? I, I think the guys who schedule these FCS games watch the MLS scheduling, too, because it's the same thing. It's the same garbage. Yeah, like, it's they like, don't know what they're doing. I mean, I don't know what the FBS is doing this week. Um, but Not may- much. Maybe there's a, a noon game that they feel, feel as though everybody's going to watch, but 2 o'clock kickoff. Well, I'm, it is rivalry week. True. So, and there's some big games in the FBS as well, folks. Right, so. like Louisiana and Louisiana Monroe for the for the Sun Belt <laughs> Western Division. I'm, I'm thinking more, oh, I don't know, Michigan, Ohio State. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah that, that's a that may be one. a big one. So, what we're saying, folks, this is two-screen viewing. Get your laptop up with ESPN3, watch the FCS games on there, put the big games up on your television screen. It's going to be a wild week of college football. We've got, it's finally playoff time. Finally. Next week... Who knows? Maybe we'll come up with some more bowl games. We'll figure something out. You got some more written down there. I got them all written down What's What's some more you got here before we get out of here? Sacred Heart versus Yale. Okay, I I like that. Dartmouth-Bryant. Defense-offense. Okay, I like that. Interesting ball game. I told you this one while we were off here. Grambling-McNeese. Good ball game there. The Raising Canes Bowl. (laughs) Raising Canes Bowl. South Carolina State-Chattanooga. You put South Carolina State in the bowl game? They were 5-5. and And they got a game this weekend. So South Carolina State and Chattanooga. Against Chattanooga. Not bad, not bad. Florida A&M, Alabama a and I don't want to see Florida A&M <laughs> ever again. <laughs> I am done see. with FAMU. <laughs> They're gone. They're done. Um, Get them off my TV. <laughs> How about this one, though? Eastern Kentucky, Illinois State. I like that one. 
the disappointment bowl for for <laughs> Illinois State. <laughs> the, the disappointment bowl. But but you like Eastern Kentucky going in the right direction. And one other one I'll throw out there for you: Jackson State versus Central Arkansas. That's a quality matchup. That's a very and Jackson State hosts because they got the stadium. They got the stadium. They they're playing good defense now. Yeah. Uh, okay, you you done well with these bowl games. I'm impressed. You can make money NCAA. Make bowl games for FCS. Listen, Princeton in the playoff field, out of the teams, who do they beat? Princeton in, in, in the this, first round. In the first round of the teams that are in the first round, I think they beat Duquesne. Okay. I, I think they beat Elon, for sure. I think they beat Stony Brook. Mm-hmm. Incarnate Word. Lamar. Um, I think they've got a shot against JMU. Ooh, that would be a game I would like to see. I, I, I think that's the next thing that uh, Coach Houston's going to tell us. Team, about. Yeah, right. somebody says they're going to lose. We the got first. these internet podcasters <laughs> saying you're not better than a smart school. <laughs> see, uh, here's the thing: this is the year where you need the bowl game from the Ivy League champions against some team from the FBS because they don't want. I don't want to play Princeton. Nobody wants to. If play I'm Princeton. USF or something like that, I don't want to play Princeton. Bro, I'm telling you straight up, you've seen them. Try to find someone that can not only stop two tall receivers that can run, but the quarterback that's like – I just tweeted this out the other day with the Saints' Taysom Hill. With the way he's having success, some NFL team is going to be looking at John Lovett in the same realm. Like, yeah. man, we can just find a way to get him the football. But you got this offense with legit speed. Yeah. They're good, man. How, how about this, though? Princeton gets into the field instead of Delaware. They beat JMU to face Colgate. Colgate Princeton defense offense yeah I like that would be incredible battle to watch you think let, let's let's clear the table <laughs> let's put Princeton against North Dakota State break it down who winning tell nope. me how Princeton wins that game the only way Princeton wins that game is if they get speed on the outside and get around them because they will not be they will not be North Dakota State straight up in the trenches true North Dakota State's got a better offensive line, better defensive line. True. They've got probably better athletes than you see in the Ivy, I would think. You would hope. But speed kills. And speed of offense kills. If you're running no huddle, you see the Patriots do all the time. They're not running four or five yard passing plays. What would be the score of Princeton, North Dakota State? Because you, 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 you're tap dancing. You're Fred staring on the fence right Don't here. Don't make me do this. You got me the Bison let, faithful let, enemy last let, year. Let me hear what a score would be in the Princeton-North Dakota State mythical matchup. Closer than the experts think. I agree. But North Dakota State gets the win. I would say 34-21. I was going to say 34-20. I think 34-21. I think Princeton gets some points on them, but especially if they're playing in the Dome. Tough for the Tigers to win. They could be playing at MetLife, or or even they could Teterboro. beat the Jets and the Giants combined. They could be playing at Teterboro <laughs> Airport. It would it, it still would be thirty four twenty North Dakota State, folks. That'll do it for the podcast. Again, all these games are on ESPN three. Every first round matchup is on there. If you want to watch the sub, the uh, the Bayou Classic, that's on NBCSN at five o'clock. That game is also being tele- is being televised. Enjoy your Thanksgiving week. Enjoy your friends and family along with some football. And have a great weekend. Don't fry turkey indoors. Please. Do not do it. It is not Unless safe. you got the, the indoor fryer, uh, which I found out. A quick funny story. <laughs> I went home, I want to say maybe three years ago for Thanksgiving. Um, and 
I, my, I asked my mom, this is maybe with Christmas. I asked my mom, I was like, hey, what are you doing? She said, oh, I'm about to fry a turkey. So I went in the room, I was thinking, I was sitting there watching the, <laughs> the game, and I was like, oh, oh snap. What do you What you mean about a fry turkey? And the, the, she was, so I came running out of the room like, don't blow the house. And she was like, no, no, there's an indoor fryer from – uh, I, I think I, Butterball or somebody, some some company makes an indoor fryer, Ugh. deep fryer. I was like, oh, scared me for a minute. Yeah. So be safe, folks. Get that indoor fryer. Don't try to do the thing that people try to do every Thanksgiving or every Christmas. Don't do it in your garage. Exactly, and blow up the doggone house and neighborhood. You know. Don't do it. Just don't please do don't. It. Fry turkey responsibly, folks. <laughs> Fry your turkey responsibly. This <laughs> message brought to you by Butterball. Butterball turkey. <laughs> folks, again, thanks for listening in. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. We'll be back next week to talk about the second round.